Good morning. This is the Lois J. Wetzel Show, and I am your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live this morning from Houston, Texas at 9 a.m. Central Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free, and if you do that, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, or get reminders of upcoming shows. Um, they don't use your email to, they don't abuse that. They don't send you a whole lot of emails. So it would be really cool because if you don't register, they don't count you as having been here. My call-in number is 347-945-5309. So you can telephone or you can call using Skype or you can listen on your computer. I also offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics, spirituality, the coming changes, the kinds of things we talk about here on this show, and I've been sending it out free for about 12 years. To sign up for that, you can go to hotpinklotus.com. That's my website, and I don't share your email addresses with anybody because your privacy is important. I'm going to open the line to my co-host, Becky, who lives in Atlanta, so it's an hour later there. It's 10 a.m., Good morning, Becky. Good morning, Lois. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm really good. Um, we were going to talk this morning about past life readings and um, that this is something that uh, that I do, and I don't talk about me very much on this radio show, but we're going to do that today. So um, where do you think we ought to start? Well, like they say in The Sound of Music, let's start at the very beginning. <laughs> and um, I was wondering how you um, came about knowing that you had this talent, this gift. I mean, how did this whole whole thing unfold, which obviously led to the publication of your first book? Well, um, the when it first happened, when I first got the gift, it was a gift um, that was given to me in a dream. But I didn't know what it was for or what to do with it for a few years. But um, it was the mid-'80s, and I had just begun studying metaphysics, spirituality, that kind of thing. And I had this dream that was so vivid. It was like I was really there, one of those kinds of dreams, you know? Yes. I was sitting at a library table in a, at a theater in the round, and a friend of mine was sitting there, and her name is Joy. And we were both sitting and studying. It was a library table. Um, and then I noticed somebody standing beside me, and I look up, and it's a woman. She's got her hair pulled back in a bun. She's about the same age as I. And she had on a brown dress, and uh, she never said anything, but she extended her arm down toward the center of the theater, and that's when I realized that I was in a, a theater in the round, and there was a huge pyramid down in the center. So I knew that she was telling me I needed to go down there, even though she didn't say anything. So I walked down there, and this door, which was kind of a trapezoid shape, opened up, and this thing was glowing. The pyramid was gold, but it was glowing. Hmm. So I walked inside. Mm-hmm. It sounds beautiful. I think it, it was. It, wow. it was stunning. Mm-hmm. So then the, the door opens, and I think, oh, I guess that means I'm supposed to come in. So I walk in, and the first thing I notice is this, looks like a low bookcase, like we used to have the Encyclopedia Britannica in when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But it was solid, and the top opened. And all this light was flooding out the top, and it was almost blinding. It was so bright. And then I noticed there was a man standing behind it. 
And he was wearing, uh, he had blonde hair and blue eyes, short blonde hair, and he was only wearing a loincloth. But there wasn't anything, like, sexual about it. It was just, this is what he wore. Uh-huh. And uh, he looked at me, and I felt really calm and relaxed. But his skin was glowing. Like, wow. you know how, have you ever seen a candle that the wicks burn down below the top of the candle, and the candle just kind of glows, but you can't see the flame? Yes, yes. A good, that's a good like, description. Yeah, get a clear picture of that. It was like that. He just kind of glowed internally, and um, so he uh, he looked at me and made really solid eye contact. And then he reached down into the bent over, reached down into that bookcase and pulled out this leather bound book, and it had it was brown, mm-hmm. it had little red piping around the edges, and it had buckles underneath um and and the buckles straps underneath that buckled and the buckles were like made of copper and on top there were uh two lion's heads facing outward both from the front and the back of the book Mm -hmm. and i thought it's a big heavy strange looking book which i thought i wonder what that is so he hands it to me and he sort of bowed his head slightly when he handed it to me so i took it and then he turned and walked out the pyramid, and I followed him. And we walked up the stairs and toward the exit, which looked like one of those exits of the subways in New York. There was light up above. Okay. So he started walking up the stairs, and so did I. And then I was standing outside myself, observing myself, following him. And uh, the ends of my hair had started to glow, just like... Um, and I had long curly hair at the time, okay. and they started to glow just like his skin glowed. And I thought, oh yeah, if I follow him, I'm going to glow from inside just like he does. <laughs> and then I woke up. Huh? So I was like hiring a kite after that dream for about three days. It was like I was on this major endorphin high. I was so <laughs> excited, but I didn't know why. So I went and asked a couple of people who I considered to be, you know, spiritual teachers. And one of them was um, a man who uh, ran the Esoteric Philosophy Center in Houston, which is no longer in existence, and the man's in Phoenix now, but his name was William. And he said, oh, well, that man, and I thought in the dream that this was Archangel Gabriel. But okay. William said, oh, that was Lord Sananda. He had blonde hair and blue eyes, and he also incarnated as Jesus. And that book was the Akashic Records, and he seemed really impressed. So I thought, okay. So then just to double-check, you know, because I like confirmation, I asked mm-hmm. this old spiritualist minister who lived around the corner, Martha. She said the same thing. That's Jesus and uh, in one of his other incarnations, and um, that was the Akashic record. So I thought, oh, cool. That must mean I'm going to get past life readings. So later that year I did get my first past life readings. But I, I didn't know what to make of that until... Um, a couple of years later, I'm going to say two or three years after that, I was working on a um, a client. I had moved, I divorced and moved to Austin. I was working on a client who sort of out of the blue said, do you know how to do past life readings? And boom, I realized I did. I mean, somehow that information had been implanted in me or downloaded or however you want to mm-hmm. say it. But I knew exactly what to do. Some symbols I ha- already knew. I put into the back of the client's head, which is where the occipital region is. Okay. And 
then I just closed my eyes and watched the movie. And I started telling him about a past life, and it totally explained what he was going through. And when he told his wife, who was divorcing him, about the reading, it totally explained it to her and helped them understand how they needed to handle the divorce and why he needed to stay in touch with her son, even though it wasn't his son. So it was it was real interesting. So that's kind of how I got started, and it's kind it's of fascinating. Yeah, thank you. Um, Go ahead. I was also wondering what the difference is between um, you. You know, you do akashic and past life readings. Well, I know other people do too, and they seem to explain it differently. And I, I wanted to know what your um, definition, or, or if there is any distinction between the two, or are they synonymous? Between past life readings and occasional and the records. and the akashic records readings, is it the, is it the same thing? And people just use different terminology, or are yours similar to other people who give past life readings? Or does everyone have their own flavor or interpretation of what that exactly means? Well, I suspect that everybody's got a slightly different definition of what it means to them. I know a lot of people do past life regressions oh regressions that's the i'm sorry that's the word i was looking for yeah well the difference between regressions and past life readings is that with a regression any hypnotist can do it but the um, client is the one who has to um, be able to come up with uh, has got to relax enough and trust themselves enough to do their own past life reading. In other words, they see it again, but the problem with that and the problem I had with that, because I did have that experience at a seminar in Sedona once, is that when you see it yourself, um, there's no cushion there. There's nobody to help you um, understand it or assimilate it or... um, Unless, well, sometimes I guess if you've got a psychotherapist, they'll help you with that. Okay. But um, it's more traumatizing. At least it was for me. I was regressed in a group of about 300 people. And wow. What I wanted it was a big seminar. And fortunately, there was a man there who had recognized me from a past life. We'd been married in a past, many past lives, as he put it. And um, the karma was over between us. So we were just there to support each other. And he had an equally traumatizing experience. And afterwards we sat out in the parking lot on one of those parking lot bumps, which was kind of a funny (laughs) place to sit, when that was the only place we could find. And I told him my story and he told me his. And we were both really upset. And it took me three months to assimilate that. And I was just traumatized. I mean, seriously traumatized. Because I said, I want to see the past life that explains why I have to know every possible permutation of anything I do. What are all the possible outcomes? Well, you know, actually those are infinite. So that was kind of slowing me down. But the past life that I saw was just like awful because I had no idea that my actions could even possibly result in what they resulted in. Mm-hmm. Um, so... When I realized I could do past life readings, I I had the experience of being traumatized by a regression. So I don't recommend people use tapes to be regressed 
um, because they don't have anybody there to help them with it. Right. And mm-hmm. who knows what might come up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that also happened to me. I was feeling really um, puzzled about a relationship, and I wanted to know. I didn't have anybody to do a past life reading for me, and I wanted to know why I was reacting to this particular person in this way, and I regressed and saw the past life, and it was so traumatizing that I was not getting better. I was spiraling out of control. I was getting really depressed. And so I called a friend and said, you know, I need some help. She did energy work also. So I need some help because I'm messed up. I regressed myself, and I've got this problem. So um, she made an appointment with me, and it was about 80% gone after the first appointment and all gone after the second one. But So I, I'm personally a little skeptical about regressions, I, I feel like past life readings are safer because you've got a, a kind of a buffer between yourself and that experience. And I've seen repeatedly over the years that people heal anyway, even though they didn't feel it all over again in quite with the intensity that you do in a regression. You don't have to relive a trauma in order to heal it. You only have to become aware of it. Interesting. That's my experience, yeah. So by pulling the information from the records, a person is able to find out a particular situation or what's bothering them and come to a better understanding, and just by knowing it, a healing occurs? It does, as you assimilate it. And I tell people don't get readings any more frequently than every three months because you need time to assimilate the information to absorb it, to to allow it to be balanced and to let your subconscious or whichever part of it you it is that handles this kind of thing, to let it handle that. Um, but in terms of, uh, it's, it's like, I don't know if you've ever had this experience with repressed memories from childhood. If you had a some level of trauma in childhood and you've totally forgotten it, one of the things that can happen in, in normal, ordinary psychotherapy is that you remember something from childhood you had repressed because it was upsetting. And when you remember it, it automatically begins to heal because you've got that other person there witnessing it, saying, oh, okay. yeah. And, and then they help you. They're a neutral observer. They don't pass judgment. At least they're not supposed to. And then they witness it and they say, oh, yeah, I see. And then you see it from an adult standpoint or in the case of a past life, from the personality you now inhabit, you you automatically heal. And sometimes things, just because you remembered it, sometimes things heal that don't seem to have anything at all to do with the childhood memory, but they heal. It's a very strange thing. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. You know, I believe some... In, oh, pardon me? Go ahead. I was just going to mention what came to mind is some indigenous tribes. I want to say the Cherokee, but don't quote me on that. Um, their shamans and healers um, have um, what they do. It's just called bearing, bearing witness, bearing sacred witness, where the person who is having an issue is able to lay out their perspective as, as they see it with all the people involved or whatever the situation is, and the shaman just acknowledges and honors their position and their space, and um, by doing that, uh, healing starts to take place. They, they're able to 
hear themselves, they're able to process the information in a safe space, and they just naturally get better. You know, they come to peace with it. They make peace with it. So that's um, that makes so much sense to me. Yeah, it's anytime you have a, a neutral witness who doesn't pass judgment on you or anyone else in the situation, but just helps you, you know, speak what happened or or know what happened. If you've got that person there. And a lot of times after I do the past life readings, people want to talk about one of the past lives. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the process is talking about it. Because that's what helps you heal. Is you've got a neutral witness or observer, something like that. We've got a whole bunch of hands up on, on here, and I just want to say we're not doing past life readings on the show today, but if you've got a question, I'll open it up and see if you've got a question about past lives. So I'm going to go to... Um, Someone with an area code of 814. Uh, um, I was kind of hoping that you were doing a reading because there is a situation with a gentleman and I really want to know what the heck I did. Well, here's the deal. I do past life readings and uh, you can go to my website and find out all about that and make an appointment, but I'm not going to be doing readings on the show. Okay. Well, I know. I know that she's in the Akashic Records, and are the Akashic Records written in stone, like if you're supposed to be with somebody? If you're supposed to be with somebody, I don't think that's written in stone, no. The Akashic Records are mainly the records of lifetimes you've had together previously, and it also helps deeply to understand who people have been to you in the past, okay? We're going to see if other people have questions. We're just opening for questions, not for readings. Okay, somebody's calling from Skype. Are you there? Yes. Do you have a question? Yes, you know, um, you know, Akashic records have to do with the past. And, you know, generally the past is, uh, you know, uh, more easily to attain by, you know, spirits doing clairvoyant work than the future is. Yeah, sometimes future readings do show up, but the future is also very um, fluid. So uh, the, future, the future, really, a lot of psychics, I don't think they really read the future. They start telling you about the past. Hmm. Well... That's an interesting perspective. Thank you. We're going to see if anybody's got questions here. 215 area code, do you have a question? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I, I'm, I'm always confused about um, why Einstein's theory of relativity said basically that we, we have a time-space illusion here on Earth. There really is no past, present, or future. There's only the eternal now. Oh, so excellent if, question. I love okay. that. Go ahead. Yeah, so if, if the if, – when you're reading and you can see into the past, perhaps what it is is that you're just seeing layers. Like we're actually having all of these experiences now, and you're just going uh-huh. and picking up the different layers. Do you feel that you're doing that? I mean, for re- even for reincarnation, you have to believe in the conception of time, which is an illusion. Well, yes and no. Okay, here's the deal. You've got one oversoul, let's call it, or monad, whatever you want to call it, that has a whole lot of lives going at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's not really linear, but because we have the illusion that time is linear, that's how we talk about it, mm-hmm. just for convenience sake. But in actuality, yeah, they're all occurring at the same time, which is why a 
so-called past life reading can affect every other lifetime you have ever had or ever will have, speaking right. of it linearly, okay? Because I got an image of that one time. One of my friends asked me that same question about five years ago, and I got this visual image from my guides, which was it's like we're inside a gigantic sphere with a whole lot of tracks on it, and the tracks all run around the inside of the sphere, so they're all happening at the same time, but they're separate tracks. And, you know, we're only, we only have the illusion of a linear time because we're on a spinning planet. Mm-hmm. So that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, and when you dream, you actually, you're so, you, you actually can go back into these lives when you dream. You can, soul, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's not what all dreams are, but you absolutely yeah. can do that, yeah. Yeah, I Pop think I've done that a couple of times. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's one way that we we can go into our other lifetimes, past, present, future, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. is through dreams. Yeah. I've worked out past lives like that. Okay. Well, fascinating work. Um thank you. thank you for take thank you for taking my call. Have a great day. You're welcome. You too. Bye bye. Okay. That was, that was an interesting question. So you there, Becky? Yes, I am. I was. Um, my mind was wondering, um, yeah, because the illusion of time and the timelines, and um, I, it, it reminded me uh, of a, an old biblical quote or story about the sins of the father, and how you know they're passed down generation to generation. But recognizing it, facing it, um, you know, helps all that to heal, so that you break the cycle going forward that there is no more abuse or neglect or um, any of that. It can be healed all through the timeline. So, yeah, that's um, that was really interesting. That is a good question. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, so I have a comment and um, something that our listeners may want to know. Um, you did a past life reading for me, and I wasn't so interested in the past, other than what I had in past lives that I might be able to draw on on this lifetime, what gifts, what things I might have mastered, um, different lives I may have had so that I have perhaps creative talents I could draw on to pull forth in the present. And I found that totally fascinating. Yeah, and the funny thing is, when I do a past life reading, people will say, I'd like to know this or that or this. And usually some or all of those questions they have come up. But the higher self and the guides of that individual and the guardians of the Akashic Record form a little committee. And they <laughs> show me, they say, okay, what do you most need? Well, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, they tell you what you most need to hear first. And when I do an Akashic Records or past life reading, and I call it past lives, knowing that there's no linear time really, um, when I do it, the first one that comes up is the most important one for the person who's being read for to hear at that point in time. And then the next one is slightly less important and so on. And so talents might be not the first thing that would show up, but something that somebody needs to understand in order to heal an issue and move on. But, you know, Cryon talks about talents from past lives and how we've reached a point that we can mine the Akash. In other words, talents we have from past lives we can go and tap into. So 
Did I cover that? I mean, did the guardians allow me to show you talents? Yes, it did. And it, um, it actually connected. There were a couple of things that really connected for me. Um, one was a past life as um, I was doing sculpting and innovative things, practical things that were huge sculptures. And that immediately brought to mind why I'm so attracted to the um, annual Burning Man Festival and all the large um, artwork and creations that people erect in the middle of the desert just to celebrate art and the creative spirit. So um, that's something that people are either attracted to or they're not, but I have an unusual pull toward that, toward these um, highly functional pieces of art, art that actually um, can produce something other than just the joy of the art. So that was that was fascinating, and also my love of writing and working with text, and um, you brought up a lifetime where I was um, a playwright and an actor, you know, in times before where I would write and be in the plays. So that made perfect sense to me. You know, that, that same love for that medium has come through. So that well, was that very interesting. Well, it also means you could act. Doesn't that also mean that you could be on stage and act? I guess it does. I have a, maybe I need another one. I've got some fears and some issues around that, some anxiety. So I might still be working that one out. I'm not quite sure, but I found it very fascinating how the whole process worked. So someone actually has a good question here in the chat, yeah. um, and you, you touched on it partially about um, the past lives and linear times. You know, why, are, why is it called past life readings if there is linear time? And I think you really touched on that. The, it, you know, we live in that illusion, that, that veil, which is actually lifting. It's magnetic, and with all of the solar flares and all the energy and the magnetic shifting, that veil is lifting, and our past lives are more easily integrated. Um, but maybe you'd like to address that. Says when the soul leaves this life, does it leave the other lives at the same time? If this is a linear life, I'm not sure I exactly understand the question. But when when you leave your physical body, see that's another matter altogether. You you merge back in with a larger energy that is your soul. Because it's not your soul is never fully in your body. It's it's more like a nebulous thing, and it's in outer space, really. <laughs> big oversoul looks like a big colorful cloud in space. Okay. Um, but when you like pass away and you leave your physical body, nothing necessarily happens to your other lifetimes. And the reason we call them past lives is to distinguish them from parallel versions of the one you're in. Now, that gets kind of complicated. Uh, but yeah. there's more than one Lois Wetzel living more than one lifetime. And there, there's a lot of discussion about that right now with, with many different teachers are talking about how you can align yourself with a parallel that you would rather live in and slip over into it. Ah, it's but, fascinating. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... We call it past lives for convenience because that's what we've always called it. And if somebody comes up with a better term, I'm sure everyone will adopt it, but I don't know what that term would be. 
Yeah. Um, that's just what we've always called it because we've always had the illusion of it being in the past. That there right. was a time. So well, just, and living in 3D, we have yep. to distinguish. You know, yep. pa- you know, we do live in a past, present, and future. I mean, you know, your car insurance is due on a certain date. You know, that's, you know, mm-hmm. there's certain guidelines, it's I guess, true. that we live by in order to function in 3D. Yeah, but it's just for convenience. It doesn't mean that right. We, and some people will will for many many years to come think that there is past, present, and future, and that things are linear. But that doesn't make it true. Um, but I'll give you an example of uh, what I think is that the soul can incarnate in more than one lifetime at the same time. For example. I know I've got a another life going right now. She's about 20 years younger than I am, and she lives in Los Angeles. Um, I'm aware of her, but I, I don't pay much attention to what she's doing. I'm just aware of her. And um, when somebody I know was about five years old, he had a nightmare that I was his father in another lifetime and that he was a little girl going to First Communion and we got on a ferry boat, and it sank, and we all drowned. And he woke up crying because he and I had drowned holding hands in his dream. And he was a 12-year-old girl, and I was his father. Well, that morning on the news, there was uh, a report of a ferry boat capsizing in the Philippines and killing hundreds and hundreds of people on a Sunday morning, and many of them were on their way to church. Hmm. So I think he had another lifetime that died that day that was running at the same time as his, and she would have been about seven years older. I think that is also a possibility. I also know that at the same age you were in another lifetime, if you had something happen like, um, oh, you broke your leg, and uh, you might have an, a similar injury to your leg at the same time. I mean, if it was a really traumatizing event, like in a culture where a broken leg meant you'd eventually die, uh, you might have a similar, at that same age in this lifetime, you might have a similar experience with a, an injury to your leg, which is kind of strange, but it does happen. It just seems like the possibilities are endless, of the different variations and... Um, lifetimes that we have. It's fascinating. Well, you know, the thing is that, that I've recently realized is that the, the Creator is infinite. And it goes beyond just that the Creator never dies and never had a beginning, but the Creator source energy is infinite in that it may create infinite varieties, infinite numbers of Becky Hanna. All possibilities may be out there running on different tracks or of me or of anybody listening. There may be many, many, and this is mind-boggling to me, but I also think, I'm starting to think it's really possible that for every um, lifetime, that you're having, you're also having many, many versions of it, but you're only aware of the one that you're in. 
except sometimes in your dreams. You can pop in and look at other ones. Right, and that's probably where the feeling and the um, idea of deja vu comes in. When you're standing there saying, I've seen this before. Where, you know, where did this come from? This is so familiar to me. I know I've been here before. Um, and I, I actually call it bleed through, dimensional bleed through, where you're in one reality and some memory comes flooding through from another lifetime or um, another experience you've had and it's so familiar. Um, you know, others call it deja vu, and I call it bleed through. Yeah, I want to. Um, and yeah, you can have feelings that come from past lives and that jump in and, and interfere with the current one. I, I, and but before I t- talk about that, I want to say that if anybody is interested in reading the um, e-book, e-book that I've written about the past lives I've seen and. Um, more information about past lives, it's on the website hotpinklotus.com. Under the book, under my book on the right-hand side, there are tabs for different pages. It's called Lois's Book, Akashic Records, and you can go there and buy it for $12. And it's it's pretty good read, I'm told. Um, yeah, I had a client not too long ago who was like a 17-year-old girl, and I don't normally do readings for anyone under 18 at all, but this girl was really traumatized because she'd gone to a psychic fair. Her mother is the one who brought her to me. Um, And this is a long-distance reading, but it was her mother who asked for the reading. This girl had gone to um, a psychic fair in another town, and someone had volunteered, oh, well, you used to be a famous person who had this, like, traumatic, traumatic lifetime. And it seems like she ended, she can. I think she might have committed suicide in the end, but I can't remember exactly. thing is, these these past lives, it, when I'm seeing them, it's like a dream, and then they disappear. If I don't record them, I can't remember them. But anyway, this young girl was just having a lot of those feelings ever since she remembered that past life bleed through, and so clearly she didn't have a very good therapist telling her about it. It was just somebody who could see the past life but didn't do a very good job of helping her work out mm-hmm. you know, the distress. So she came to me, and we worked worked on that. And um, I saw that past life, and um, I saw more detail that most people do not know about this famous person. And I also saw four other lifetimes that uh, helped counterbalance some of that sense of um, despair she had from the one that was so tragic. She had others that were just glorious and amazing and wonderful. But um, that... That's what I call um, past life bleed through. Um, okay. And that's when somebody's past life starts interfering with their current lifetime because she was feeling that woman's despair. Interesting. Uh huh. Well, I know that speaking of your um, ebook, there were some stories in there um, that even though I haven't had a reading or um, about them or how it might affect me, they did affect me in that they um, I noticed some tendencies in my own behavior through um, other people's stories. Um, for example, there's one where this um, girl is walking through a meadow, she's daydreaming, doesn't have a care in the world, 
and um, just loving life and filling with the the air and the um, you know the upcoming harvest and just just being very very happy and blissful in the moment. And she steps on a snake. She's bitten, she's in the middle of nowhere, and she dies. And she draws a wrong conclusion and that it's not really safe to go out or to be in that feeling of ecstasy and bliss. And I've noticed that with myself and some, you know, just really letting go and just being totally in the moment and okay in a really um, beautiful nature scene. And yet I'm always looking around for, you know, what, what's going to get me or what's going to jump out of the bushes or something. It's, it's an unnatural feeling, but knowing that, reading that in your book helped me to recognize that trait in my own life and know that I am safe just because that, you know, that was one of those freak things that happened to this girl that doesn't necessarily affect me. So I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, I've found that several people who've read the book have said, oh, that helps me understand why I have this strange tendency. It could have been a story like that. Yeah. Like the other person had. Yep. Yeah, another interesting thing is that I've seen physical things heal because of a past life reading. And here's an example that always just, I don't know why, that I've seen lots of physical healings from past life readings, but this one just kind of blows my mind, and I'm not sure why it keeps jumping out at me, but... There's a woman who uh, has had many past life readings. She just loves to get them. She gets them every three months. And um, I have several people like that, but this woman's had the most. And she said, I really, really want to know how come I've got TMJ pain so badly, and I have since I was a kid. And that's, you know, temporal mandibular joints. That's where your lower jaw hinges with your Mm -hmm. upper jaw. And so um, she was just... She had a lot of pain. It had been going on for over 40 years because she was an older person and she'd had it since she was a kid. So in one set of past life readings, and each time I do a reading I get anywhere from probably four to six, one of her past lives was uh, somewhere in the South Pacific. And she was a young male who got a little too feisty and the leader felt threatened. And uh, so this feisty young guy was punished in a way that was typical that they punished people who who they were afraid were going to take over, like the young mm-hmm. lion threatening the older lion. So right. they hooked the guy through the jaw muscles with a, a curved fishbone, like a really Ooh. large fishbone, one of, uh-huh. one of those organic fishes through the muscles on one side of the jaw, through the mouth, and out the muscles on the other side of the jaw. Ooh. Yeah. And then dragged him behind the boat, face up, for a few hours to teach him who's boss. Well, what happened was that a sudden storm blew up, and they were just getting ready to pull this guy in, when this terrible storm blew up and dumped water on him and caused the waves to get really choppy. They couldn't get him in fast enough, and he drowned. So after she heard about this past life, um, and the drowning was accidental. They didn't mean for the guy to die. After she heard about this, within a month, Every time her jaw would start to hurt, she'd go, now, now, you're not in the South Pacific being pulled behind a boat. And within a month, the pain 
went away completely. And every time she would say that to herself, now you're not in the South Pacific being pulled behind a boat, it would go away. And finally, wow. back after about a month. That just kind of blows my mind. I don't yeah. Know yeah. Interesting. Well, and you actually told me in one of my past lives a story. I won't go into it here, but I had a pretty traumatic event um, in my 20s. And um, I, I felt that I had made peace with it, but yet every now and then these remnants would come up and haunt me or it would upset me or, you know, I was still having some emotion around it. And it's like, oh, Jesus, is this ever going to go away? Am I ever going to make peace with this? And after your reading, my guides and the guardians of the records obviously decided that, that, that explaining that would help. And um, I can talk to you about it. And no emotion, no, I mean, I could talk to anybody about it that I wanted to, and that emotional pull isn't there. It's like you have the the experience of the event, but without the emotion and the pain that's associated with it, it just becomes an event. Mm-hmm. It, there's, you know, I'm not upset about it anymore. I understand why things unfolded the way they did, I, um, and I have no, I hold no ill will against the people and persons who, you know, were involved in this. It's just another event in my life, and it's and it's amazing. So as much work as I had done myself, there was still this underlying nagging feeling, and now that's gone. And I think it's been maybe six months or less since you did my reading. I'm not quite sure, but it's been a, it's been a while. And now I could I could talk about it with. Um, with no anxiety and no fear and no upset. And, I, I mean, that's that to me is an amazing gift, absolutely amazing. So it healed without your having to feel that lifetime. Yeah, I didn't have to relive the experience. I didn't, I didn't have to sit there and go through all the mind, you know, trying to figure things out. Because in all honesty, the mind still thinks linearly. And, you know, we need the ego and we need the mind, but it doesn't need to throw us into these tailspins and pull up all these negative emotions and all of that. So, yeah, it, it, the last remnants were finally released, and I am so okay and actually quite grateful the way things played out because I realized that it led me to a much better place. And at the time, it was horrible. It was, it was you know, my worst nightmare come, you know, coming into reality, and um, and now it's like, well, you know, that's part of who I am. That made me, you know, it's all balanced, it's all good, and I'm in a much better place and much better off for that experience. So, yeah, if I didn't thank you for that, thank you. You're welcome. So I want to read um, a paragraph from the conclusion of the book. Another thing I've noticed is that when people get past life readings, their burdens are lightened at the level of the soul, so significantly that it can be seen in their faces. Many people report feeling and looking younger after having past life readings. Their friends and family often comment on their change in appearance without prompting and without knowing that the past life reading has occurred. So that's pretty amazing. I think that the soul is burdened by some of these unresolved things. And, you know, one of the one of the main things that I want to be sure people know is that um, there is a concept of checking out. 
When you plan mm-hmm. your life before you incarnate, your soul sets up checkout points where it can go, mm, things are not going according to plan, and I don't see this person accomplishing what we wanted to accomplish in this incarnation, so we're going to pull out now. And we'll call those checkout points. And so you can, the soul can choose to honorably terminate the lifetime. Now, suicide's never a checkout point, and that's okay. never acceptable from the, the level of the soul and the the entity that reincarnates. That's not cool. That's a personality decision. But the soul or the higher self might decide that things are not progressing well, the lessons are not being learned, and this would be a, this checkout point would be a really good time to just let something happen. And so this this is what happened with uh, the girl that was bitten by the snake, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was a prearranged checkout point because something horrible was about to happen and they didn't think she could handle it and that it would damage the soul. So there was, for example, a little boy fishing by himself off the coast of Italy and it was just a beautiful day and a giant fish came under the uh, up under the boat, flipped his boat over, hit him on the head and he drowned. Mm-hmm. And uh, the personality in this lifetime was... Uh, got headaches every time she was around water from the glare, and it would be on the same side of the head that the boat hit her. And that's huh. why. Uh-huh. And, there, and so there was that. And there was also always with her this constant fear that no matter how calm and peaceful things seem to be, that um, from out of nowhere something could come along and just... Boom, you were out of here. You're, and so that sort of hung over her head a bit. But what we found out when we did the reading was that that was a preordained checkout point because there was an army about to invade her little town in Italy. And because this little boy was uh, the child of a wealthy family, when and he was about to go through puberty, become a teenager, and he would have been captured and tortured horribly trying to get money out of the parents, and they didn't have the money that they thought that he did that they did. And this guy, it would have been damaging to the soul to the point that the soul decided to check him out at one of the preordained points, which was when he was about 10. So when she understood that, she got over her fear of something suddenly coming along that completely pulls a rug out from under you and um, because it made sense why she got checked out then. Yeah, yeah. She stopped yes. having headaches when there was yeah, there's on There's so water. many good stories in there. Some of them are related to... Um, physical ailments they can't explain and doctors can't find, and then there's others with relationships while you have this fatal attraction to certain uh-huh. people, and you know intellectually you know it's not a good idea and you need to let go, but you, there's something that just won't let you. Uh-huh. It's, um, there's just in places where we've never been, um, civilizations that have been, you know, that are, that have never been recorded. I think those are some of my favorite with all the, you know, all the little, um, the transportation, the way people got around in some of these civilizations and um, some of the tools they used and customs that they had. I'm just fascinated by all of it. It's good stuff. But it really does help explain the unexplainable in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of the past lives have come up in the context of, like, energy medicine sessions, Adena or Body Talk or whatever. Um, as well as a formal reading. Um, 
But yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. Uh, sometimes a relationship that you're in, you've been in with that person so many times, it is mind-boggling. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you just keep doing the same thing. Some people marry the same person over and over again, and that person murders them. Oh, my. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, and what they're supposed to do is finally stop being a victim and get out of the relationship without either being murdered by that person or waiting for that person to die, but just to get out without anybody having to die first. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's to finish up what I call positive karma. In other words, something untimely happened and your relationship was interrupted and you never got to spend old age together, so you come together when you're older to finish out karma that is good karma that you deserved to have together. For example, maybe the little boy who got hit on the head by the edge of the boat when he was 10 was supposed to, if he'd stayed in that lifetime, grow up and marry a certain girl that was a little friend of his already. And they didn't get to be together, so they come together in another lifetime and have a very happy, long marriage with kids and you know, plenty of joy because they didn't get to have that back in Italy in the 1200s. So a lot of karma is good karma, and we have it coming to us if we're willing yes, to. Yes, and, and um, I was just reminded, um, oh, I lost my train of thought, to um, explain the difference. Like, you go through these real traumatic lifetimes, and then it's almost as if you're awarded this lifetime of um, peace on remote island, living, living you know, wonderful life. So it's it's like the, your guides are, do you choose that on the other side? I know I'm skipping around a lot. I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this. Um, so like when you're coming to incarnate, say, you know, my last lifetime was so traumatic and hectic and, and um, this time I think I'm going to go and just choose to be a nobody in a little fishing village and live a simple, happy, productive life. So, yeah, we call those vacation lifetimes. Vacation <laughs> lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, if somebody's had some, done a lot of work, a lot of heavy karmic work in several lifetimes, they may decide that they need some vacation time just to enjoy how awesome Earth is. And so they'll have a really pleasant lifetime and have a wonderful relationship and children if that's what they want or a great career and no children if that's what they want or both. And so they get to, uh, but it's not just a decision you make, it's one that your guides make with you. They go, you know, you just really need to take a chill pill and have some fun. So why don't you go do this over here? Uh, go incarnate in a tropical climate and have plenty of kids and you've got a lot of food to eat, there's no struggle, and everybody likes you and you get to make art all day long. Say you're a drum maker or you make grass skirts or something, you know, like that. Yeah, we have vacation lifetimes. That is awesome. Yeah, I think it's awfully cool. It's not all trial and tribulation, in other words. Yeah, well, I don't think I'm on a big vacation this lifetime, but I have had oh, some real moments of brilliance anyway. So. Yeah, I think those are inherent in every lifetime. 
that you can have some moments of absolute exquisite joy. And mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with whether or not you're willing to allow yourself to feel, experience, accept, and allow that thing to come into your life. It looks That's like a good somebody, point. Yeah. Sometimes people just go, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to, that's too good to be true, I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm going to stay away from that. It looks like there's somebody with a question. Let's see, area code 561, I'm going to open the line and see if you have a question about our discussion. Hello. Hi. Do you have a question? I was just wondering, is she giving many readings? No, we're not doing readings today, but if you need a reading, you can go to the website and sign up for one, hotpinklotus.com, but we're not doing readings on the radio today. So, um, where were we? Oh, we were talking about vacation lifetimes, and Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about, wow, what would be my ideal vacation lifetime? (laughs) Oh, do you got to plan one right now? Yeah. I would want to be, a, 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 yeah, here we go, an instructor of tantric lovemaking. Ooh. In a warm climate. With lots In a warm of climate. Jewelry and, yes. Lots of food and lots of jewelry. I'd be a girl. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, that was another thing that was hard for me to imagine because um, I know that being in a certain biology or a form can often facilitate lessons, too. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if you have one that might need uh, to develop inner strength and courage, you might incarnate as the 98-pound weakling so that people pick on you so that you – I don't I'm just making this up. It just, it just seems that um, different biology and different um, physical stature – could also facilitate lessons. Oh, yeah. A lot of people come in as uh, having, like, um, physical disabilities in order to learn lessons. In other words... Well, that makes sense, yeah. Because if you need a lesson of acceptance, maybe, you know, you um, are a quadriplegic where you have to accept help, where you Mm -hmm. have to... um, be cared for, and uh, that would facilitate less. That Yeah, it, it just makes sense to me that that would be the case. Yeah. And also, if you have disabilities, frequently it pushes you more in the direction of doing your spiritual work because you can't run marathons. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Yep. So, God, there were so many cool stories in the book, um, just one right after another that made sense. And like I said, I especially like the ones where people are traveling and um, the, the little weird vehicles they use to get from point A to point B because they would travel with focused, you know, by focused thought. So it's not like we get in a jet today and go across country or around the world. They could actually move through time and space with their mind mm-hmm. and then be someplace, just pop up someplace. All kinds, yeah. It just opens a lot of potentials and possibilities of civilizations and things that aren't even recorded. Mm-hmm. So. I 
for me, the most fascinating thing are the huge variety of airships. Mm. I mean, huge variety of airships. And some of them are powered by little solar panels uh, on the back, and some of them are powered by thought, like you said, and some of them are like wing gliders. Uh, what do you call them? Oh, you know, where you jump off a cliff, and only these didn't ever crash, go down real fast like ours did. Mm-hmm. You know those wingsuits? Have you seen those? Yes. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Freaky. I don't know how those people have the courage to jump off those mountains in those suits, but... Well, um, I don't And then either. they just ride the drafts. Uh-huh. It's amazing. Exactly. But there are a lot of um, flying contraptions from... Um, past, the dark, deep, deep, deep past, we're talking hundreds of thousands of years ago, that look like that, only they don't drop as fast as the wingsuits do. They've got some sort of magnetics going on that keep, you know, keeps them afloat longer. But there are a lot of flying um, contraptions that um, that have, there's a huge variety. And by the way, one of the things I learned when I started doing past life readings is how long humans have been on the planet, and it's in excess of 500,000 years. Wow. So um, there are, most people don't know this, but on most museum shelves there are weird things that nobody can explain. And they just mm-hmm. Anomaly, we don't know where that comes from, just put it on the shelf. We have no, <laughs> including coins. People dig wells, and even in the Northeast United States, they dig wells and they find things deep, deep down under the earth that no one can explain where they came from, what civilization was this. They're coins that nobody knows, or pot uh-huh. shards from civilizations that shouldn't right. be in that area because they imply a level of um, sophistication in pottery making that we don't know anybody who ever lived there that had right. that. Well, and doesn't this explain some of the things that show up in our science fiction movies? And I mean, we're—I mean, science fiction is a huge genre of you know books and entertainment. And some of the crazy things they come up with, you'd think it would be some of that carryover or past life experiences with with those things, mm-hmm. like the aircraft or um, implements or something of that nature. So. Mm-hmm stuff coming and bleeding through into our consciousness that we pick up on. Yeah, exactly. We've got about 90 seconds left. Is there anything you want to say? Um, I want to say thank you. It's um, fascinating as always to hear about Akashic Records and um, past life readings and how that can help us in the now since there is no past, present, and future. There's only the now, but it's definitely a tool to help integrate the now and to live a happier now. So thank you, Lois. I think we're just going to close this discussion now and listen to uh, about 60 seconds worth of music. Thank you for being with me today. I appreciate Mm -hmm. you, Becky. Thank you. I appreciate being with you, too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
Oh, my God. 